morning and turn to Romans chapter 13 with me. Romans chapter 13. And while you're turning there, just to share a little story here, a priest and a pastor, they were standing alongside the road and they were both holding up this sign that said, the end is near. Turn around before it's too late. Well, this guy speeding by, he stuck, stuck his head out the window and said, hey, you religious nuts, leave us alone. I don't want to hear it. And he went around, he ran around the bend, the curve in the road, and then suddenly they heard tires screeching and then a big splash. And the preacher looked at the priest. He said, you know, do you think we ought to change our sign to, uh, to uh, we should put up a sign that says bridge out instead? Uh, you know, instead of the end is near, turn around before it's too late. Well, today, I do want to tell you that if you're here without the Lord, please turn around, get right with God, get saved before it's too late. But we're, we're going to talk about the end of this world as we know it. And by the way, it's nearer, it's nearer now than it's ever been. And now, when I say the end of the world, I don't, I'm not saying that like our uh, global warming crowd is talking about. I'm not talking about uh, we're going to all burn up in fire and we're going to, you know, the polar bear is going to lose their iceberg uh, and all this kind of thing. And, but we're talking about all the events the Bible speaks of. The word advent, by the way, and you hear that word a lot at this time of year, all it really means is coming. Coming. And as we celebrate the coming, uh, and we did yesterday, we celebrated the coming of the Christ child, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, born. And, but as we do that, I also want to share with you that we, we must remember that the risen Christ is coming the second time. We sang that song uh, a little bit ago. And in fact, for every verse in the Bible that prophesies of the birth of Jesus Christ, his first coming, there are approximately eight that prophesy of his second coming. And we'll look at a couple of those things here in just a moment. But in Revelation, or excuse me, Roman, I am going to look at Revelation as well. But in Romans chapter 13, look with me at verse 11. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Our Heavenly Father, once again, I pray for your wisdom and your direction. Help me, Lord, to preach uh, that what you've laid on my heart with power, with clarity. I also pray that you would fill every heart here in the pew, that they would be able to hear the truth and understand the truth, and then, Lord, uh, apply, uh, apply it to their lives. So however it needs to be applied, so your will be done. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to talk about some things here about the end times, just briefly. But here's the attitude more or less what I want to speak about. But prophesying about his second coming, we see it all through the word of God. In Revelation 22, 7, Jesus said, Behold, I come. Do you remember how he described how he's going to come? The word quickly. Behold, 
I come quickly. And now a lot of people get discouraged because, boy, it doesn't seem to be very quick. That was a long time. That was thousands of years ago that he said those words. Where is he? And I remind you that a thousand years is just as a day for us, or for the Lord, excuse me. A thousand years is just a day for him. And as we, and we can say with the Apostle John, though, with that thought in mind, amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. Well, I found myself saying that a few times this past couple of years. Oh, Lord, uh, come quickly. Uh, even so, come, Lord Jesus. But it's all in his, you know, until then, let's be faithful. Let's understand this. It's not about me. It's not about you. We all have our wants and our desires. And in fact, we made, a lot of us made them known at Christmas time. We had our wish list. Now, hopefully it wasn't a demand list, but uh, we had our wish list and and we let it, our, our, our wishes be known. But listen, it's, even Christmas, it's not about us. It's all about Jesus Christ. So why are we here? Not to please ourselves. Not to fulfill our passions, our desires, and our dreams. But to fulfill God's will. And, and so, yes, it would be nice, as Paul put it, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Praise God. That's a promise you and I can claim. But until then, also Paul described how important it was that he was here to do what God called him to do. And that's how we need to look at it. But in today's passage, the Apostle Paul writes with a sense of urgency here. Christians, we need to be ready for Christ's return at any moment. Jesus Christ is coming again. And it could be any moment, any time. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, uh, it, it could be the next 10 minutes. But the, the truth of the matter is, we need to be ready. Now, if you're saved, yes, you're going. You're going to be caught up with him. But listen, Christians, again, are we doing his will? Are we going to be with the Lord tomorrow and be able to look him in the face and say, I've done my best, Lord? I, 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 or will he be able to more accurately say, well done? Will he be able to say that uh, based on what we are doing now? Billy Graham once said this, we are to wait for the coming of Christ with patience. We are to watch with anticipation. We are to work with zeal. And we are to prepare with urgency. I like that. And that's exactly how we need to look at this. Uh, the, the famous commentator, I know many of you know, him, or, or at least you've read some of his books, I had the privilege of hearing him, Warren Wearsby, great Bible commentator, but he sums up this passage of scripture, and I'm going to use his, his rough outline here, and he summed it up this way, wake up, clean up, grow up, and that's what we're going to see here this morning in this passage, so let's consider this, number one, wake up, if you're asleep in here this morning, Oh, you have one that kind of looks like he is. Uh, he's had, he has trouble, but uh, you need to wake up, uh, and, and we'll get him a, a wide awake. Are you awake, Zayden? Okay. You don't look it. But, uh, but I'm at, you know, again, it says here, Paul begins with an alarm clock analogy. Uh, I told him I'm going to wire him up one of these days, and uh, every, every time I want an amen, I'll just push that button and oh. But he says there in verse 11 again, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, to awake out of sleep, 
For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now, I'm absolutely convinced <clears throat> that we are living in end times. Um, and do you know how I know that? Well, ba roughly because any time between Jesus Christ's ascension up into heaven and his return from heaven, well, it's called the end times. We're there. We're in the end times. Now, I'm not predicting that the Lord's going to return today or tomorrow. I will say it could be. Are you ready? It could be. And no one knows how long that period of time is going to last, but it's all in the end times. We're there. We're living in those end times. First century Christians, they initially believed that Jesus Christ would come immediately. Oh, when they heard the words come, that he's going to come quickly. They thought, well, this is going to take place real quick here, within the week at the longest. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Months went by and years went by. And many of them became discouraged. <clears throat> and they, did, they became complacent. And they began to lose their sense of commitment uh, to their faith. So Paul reminded them that they were ever nearer to their ultimate salvation, their heavenly home, than they ever were before. Jesus told a parable with a similar theme to this. <clears throat> we won't, won't read all that for the sake of time today. But the parable of the ten virgins, you've read that before there in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. And uh, briefly put the, the story of the ten virgins who today we might call them bridesmaids, okay? But uh, they were waiting on the groom to arrive for the wedding, uh, but they got a little bit drowsy and tired of waiting all night. And finally word came that the, bride, or, or the groom is on his way. But half of the bridesmaids, they hadn't bought, uh, brought any oil for their lamps. They weren't prepared. And they tried to borrow from the wise bridesmaids or, or the, the, uh, the, the ladies of the virgins. And, but were told, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So that's what they did. They took off, went down to Walmart. And they, uh, but when they got back, the wedding's over. Uh, the wedding party had begun. They were, they were uh, locked out. It wasn't over, but they were locked out of going in. So the central point of the parable kind of reflects what the Boy Scout, Boy Scout motto is, and that is to be prepared. Be prepared. <clears throat> Look, thank God, if you're saved here this morning, you're never going to be locked out. That's not going to happen. But if you're not saved, if you're here without Christ and the Lord was to return today, you'd be left behind. You would be, uh, you in essence would be locked out. It'd be too late. If you die without Christ, you're not going to get up there and say, okay, now which way am I going to go? Do I just follow that light or, or do I go this way? No, it's not that way at all. The decision's made right now. Now is the day of salvation. And so, I would urge you and I would beg you to trust Christ today. Be prepared. You never know when the groom is going to return <coughs> for his bride. And by the way, when I say his bride, talking about Jesus being the groom, that's what the Bible speaks of. Uh, the bride is, his, is the church, the believers in Jesus Christ. You never know when he's going to return. So I would say to you and to myself as a church, wake up, wake up. Uh, the time is drawing near 
uh, wake up from your slumber. Get ready for his return. We get complacent, don't we? I, you know, I know it's not confession time, but in your own heart and mind, you can answer yourself, am I more complacent now than I was when I first got saved? Am I more zealous now than I was 10 years ago? Am I more on fire for God now than I was a few years ago? And uh, so maybe we need to wake up because we've gotten apathetic, indifferent. And we've got, we, we got, we begin to think, well, maybe the Lord isn't going to return. Not for a long time. Maybe we think we can, we can, uh, uh, we have plenty of time to do what we need to do. Well, it's not so. So secondly, not only does Paul say wake up, but secondly, he says clean up. Now, we don't want to be found dirty when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Paul describes the waiting period as night. Um, now we have either used or maybe you've even uh, heard this statement said to you when you were younger. Maybe some of you who are young have heard this. Nothing good happens after midnight, especially in the city, right? Nothing good happens in the city <clears throat> after midnight. I would tend to agree with that more now than ever. I wouldn't want to be found in the, in the city. Excuse me for just a minute. I'm going to have to get some water here. I am, you know, you never know. I, it seems like I don't have any problem with it. I throw it at all. Then I start preaching. It starts tickling. And uh, so, excuse me. I should have you do like I heard one preacher. Every time he drank water, you say amen. <clears throat> and just makes you thirsty now. So if I see some of you leaving, I know what's going on. But clean up. Nothing good happens. And that's what Paul uses this analogy here as uh, the night. He uses night and day, not just to illustrate periods of time, but also good and evil. Look at verse 12, if you would. He says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now, now that last phrase, <clears throat> armor of light, it suggests there is something, there is some protection in seeking to live godly here on this earth, to seeking to live godly lives, that, that there is some kind of protection, a shield, if you would, about us. And I, you know it is true that no one can take your life, Christian. No, no one can. Your life is not going to be end until God says it's time. So we don't have to fear coronavirus. We don't have to fear uh, all the other things in this world. I'm not suggesting that we go out and jump in front of a semi-truck and say, well, you know, God's going to protect me. He can, but that's testing. Uh, just like the Apostle Paul, he didn't go out looking for snakes to handle, but one grabbed hold of him, and God protected him. And so God still does that same thing. Your life is in the hands of God. Amen? It's not in the hands of Dr. Fauci. It's not in the hands of President Biden, it's not in the hands of any man or woman on this earth. It's in God's hands. Not even the devil has a, uh, can say when that time is going to come. He says, let us walk honestly. Look at verse 13. Six examples of behavior to avoid. Uh, let us walk honestly as the, in the day, not rioting and drunkenness, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering. <coughs> that is sexual immorality, and wantonness, that is debauchery of all kinds. 
not in strife and envying. That's dissension and jealousy. So there's a temptation in this verse here for everyone. E even after one has sufficiently aged and, 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 and passed the physical temptation of, of carousing and, and debauchery, as you may think, uh, there remains th those nasty internal temptations. Look at it again up there at the end of that verse of dissension, uh, of strife and envying, of jealousy, of dissension. <clears throat> so how do, we, how do we clean up when we so easily return to some of those old temptations? How do we clean up our lives? And, and, and we, can, we can all identify with the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. I know that's a passage you can turn over there if you would like, uh, Romans chapter 7. Just a couple of verses there, 18 and 19, and verse 24. We, you, many of you know this passage. We can relate to this. If the Apostle Paul struggled, do you think that we might have that same struggle? Of course. Listen to what he said in Romans chapter 7, in verse 18. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, look at this, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I, I find not. Verse 19, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. I know what to do, I know it's good, but I, I don't do that. I end up doing what I want to do, the, the evil. Then verse 24, look down there with me. Oh, wretched man that I am. Paul is talking about himself. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death. So only the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can read that passage, a tremendous passage of scripture. But reoccurrent sin reminds us that we are powerless to change. We are. If you, you're, you act on emotion and you say, I'm no longer going to do this or do that, whatever that sin may be. Or I'm going to start, let's, let's take, for instance, reading the Bible. We make New Year's resolutions just right around the corner here. I'm going to start, I'm going to read my Bible every day. That's a tremendous uh, thing to do. A vow, I would call it to God. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to do whatever. But, but that, that may, the will may be there to do those things. But you and I on our own, we can't do it. We can't do it. We need God's strength. We need God's help. And we are powerless to change. Some people don't want to change. Bless God, that's the way I am. That's who I am. Take, take it or leave it. And if that's your attitude. That's carnal attitude. And you need to grow up spiritually, as we're going to see in the next point here. <clears throat> but so we can also say with the Apostle Paul, I thank God, there in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. <clears throat> our only hope, your only hope for, G or for change is Jesus, our Savior. And that leads us to the third po uh, point here, grow up. You ever heard that? <clears throat> maybe when you were young and, and you were doing something stupid, and uh, maybe your mom or dad said, why don't you just grow up? Why don't you act your age? rather than your shoe size, or whatever the uh, comments were made. And, uh, but look at verse 14. <clears throat> but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ.
there's a Native American story. <clears throat> These, um, they, they speak about uh, two wolves. And we, uh, one of the wolves represented your good and wholesome self and the part of you that seeks to treat others honorably, to encourage others, to build up others, to love. The second wolf represented your destructive, evil self, the part of you that bites out with sarcasm and resentment and gossip and tears down others and satisfies your own needs and alone. Uh, by the way, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but it seems like some of the kids are becoming, especially, now I'm sorry, but just what I've observed, a lot of the girls in school anymore, I'm talking about grade school and even up into junior high, are just so vicious, mean. They get to, you know, one day they're the best of the friends, the next 10 minutes they might be at each other's throat. They're, uh, uh, and, and they're just backbiting all the time, gossip. And it happens. So I don't care what your age is. Uh, that's, the, that's, that's what this second wolf would represent. And a boy once asked his father, he said, well, which wolf will get stronger and, uh, and overpower the other in the battle uh, that, that is taking place in my life? Which one is going to win? And the father said, son, that's simple, the one that you feed. Now, as you follow Christ, you, you feed the good wolf. You, you uh, are feeding that good nature. When you uh, are in the word of God, when you're applying the Bible to your life, when you're spending quiet time with God and you're uh, walking with, in his ways, <clears throat> that's a good thing. That will help you defeat the old flesh. Charles Stanley observes this. He said, we know we should avoid a certain place, but we go there anyway. We recognize a personal weakness for a particular activity, but we tempt ourselves anyway. How often do we fall into sin because we plan for it? You, you know, and I, I, you've heard me say before, I, I don't really like that word fall. Uh, you know, we, people say, well, I, I fell into sin like I was walking along one day and there was a hole in the ground. I didn't see it. I'm, wait a I, I, had, I was totally innocent. I had no, no, no involvement in this at all. It doesn't work that way, though, though does it? We, we plan on it. We purposely decide to sin to go against the Lord Jesus Christ and his will. So put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it carries the idea of making Jesus a part of everything that we say and do. Young people, how does your language, uh, how, how does it uh, display your faith in Jesus Christ? The words that you use, uh, and again, I'm reminded of that old commercial years ago I'd hear on the radio. People would judge you by the words you use. And they were advertising for a vocabulary book or something. And, but I thought how true that is. Whether you're uh, five years old or you're 95 years old, people are going to judge you by the words you use. And Christians ought not use certain words. And we ought to be filled with compassion. We ought to be controlled by the Spirit of God. And, and so put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, having Jesus a part of everything that we say and everything <clears throat> that we do. 
You know, I find a lot of times Christians are trying to find loopholes in the Bible. And they're trying to, for their sinful behavior. They see things that the rest of the world is doing. They say, oh, I'm missing out on, so, on something. I want to do those things too. And, and so suddenly, they are twisting things around to make it sound like, well, you know, the Lord's okay with this. I can, I can live this way. And, uh, but again, it's not about you and I. It's about Jesus Christ. By the way, the devil's a liar, and you're not missing out on anything if you're walking with God. Not a thing. In fact, the other way around. Those that think that are following the in, into the world, into the old temptations, they're missing out on that special fellowship with the Lord. And so, it, you know, it's, it, it's like a comfortable piece of clothing that you, you wear all day. Jesus wants to join your decision-making process. He wants to be Lord of your singleness. You know, oftentimes we talk about marriage, and that's important, definitely in the, in the Bible. But Jesus wants to be Lord of your singleness for those of you who are single. Some people get desperate, don't they? And they will just do almost anything just to get married. And that's a big mistake. Listen, let the Lord Jesus be Lord of your singleness, Lord of your marriage. Let him be over your career, over your free time. You know, a lot of times that's where we get in trouble with some of the free time. What is the old saying? Idle hands are what? The devil's workshop. And <clears throat> let the Lord be uh, over that all and, and uh, over what you hear and over what you watch and over everything that you do. And Jesus wants to join your decision-making process. Uh, but by, by, the way, uh, by the way you live your, your life, you, you reveal either that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life or he's not Lord at all. Have you ever met someone, maybe at work, and they're talking, and you hear them, they're using bad language. They're just, they sound like everybody else. And then you get to talk to them in private, and you find out, oh, yeah, I'm saved, they say. What? I mean, it, you know, nothing I saw showed that, that Jesus Christ was Lord of your life. Now, I'm sure you didn't say that, but that's true. What about yourself? How, would you be found guilty of being a Christian based upon what everybody around you at school, at work, saw and heard. Would they have enough evidence to prosecute, prosecute you for being a believer in Jesus Christ? Or would there be a lack of evidence? And so by the way you live, you reveal either he's Lord or he's not Lord of my life. The 3rd United States Infantry Regiment, known as the Old Guard, it's the oldest <clears throat> active duty regiment in the Army. It dates all the way back to 1784. Its mission is to conduct uh, memorial affairs to honor fallen comrades and ceremonies and special events to represent the U.S. Army. Now, one of its members, a lone sentinel, marches 21 steps forward and 21 steps back across the tomb of the unknowns, symbolizing the 21-gun salute given, uh, give, or given a dignitary. Every 30 minutes, he is replaced with a new sentinel. Since 1930, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, regardless of whether a guard has marched 
Each one spends five hours a day preparing. Now, this is what I want you to hear. Each one of these men uh, spend hour, or five hours a day preparing for that sacred duty of marching there at the Tomb of the Unknown. Former commander and two-star general Dan York wrote about that old guard uh, uh, members and uh, commitment that they had. He wrote this in a devotional in, in, back in 2016. He noted an old guard must commit two years of life to guard the tomb. He noted an old guard must uh, not only commit those two years, but he will live in a barracks under the tomb. He will swear not to drink any alcohol on or off duty or uh, to swear in public for the rest of his life. He cannot disgrace the uniform or the tomb in any way. The first six months, he cannot talk to anyone outside his unit nor watch any TV. All his off-duty time is spent studying the 175 notable people laid to rest in Arlington National Cemetery. After two years, each guard receives a wreath pen to wear on his lapel, signifying his service as guard of the tomb. Only 400, this is back in 2016, only 400 presently wear this pen. So long as members obey these rules, they may keep and wear the wreath. Now, when I think of the old guard, I wonder what it might be like if we, as men and women, committed fully to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. To Imagine if we swore off all the bad habits that we, that we said as a Christian, I'm not going to use any foul speech of any kind. Now, let me, let me just insert something there, too. Here's what we like to do. We like to uh, uh, dress it up a little bit. So it don't sound as bad, but we use different words to replace those bad words. You can think about that for yourself. But, but uh, I'm going to do this and faithfully worship God, and we honored his name with our heart, with our life, as these men were doing to be a guard at, at the, this, this tomb. What if the cross was more than just a pretty piece of jewelry that many wear, but rather a sign of the highest honor, demanding faithfulness to the one who sent his son to bear our sins, to die for our sins? By the grace of God and with his help, may we in this upcoming year of 2022 wake up. May we clean up and may we grow up. We need to understand that we cannot do this. Christians, we cannot do this on our own. It's not, I'm not talking about just, oh, I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to promise. The, no, we, we need to uh, depend upon the Lord for this power, this help to do it. We have tried. We have failed. And when we think that we have uh, uh, the Christian life figured out, boy, then we mess up once again. We need God's help to do this. Ask God to help you put him first in your life. Ask God to help you be the kind of testimony at work, at school, everywhere you are. Can you imagine yourself, uh, just speaking about Brother Ray, uh, having a situation like that? Having a guy that's probably half your size, spitting in your face, cursing you and wishing you were dead. I know what I would feel like doing, but uh, boy, but Brother Ray... And again, he doesn't take the credit, but it's only by the grace of God. 
What an example he was. All of this was caught on video. Every word spoken, caught on video. And what a testimony from the point he was arrested to the point where he was thrown in a, the darkest cell in that prison. And he slept comfortably, he said. Uh, he hadn't slept much at all. And they brought to, for his food uh, for breakfast bread and water. And so, but he, you know, he rejoiced in the, the way that God was evident through all of these things. Christian, God can work that way in your life. But you have to give him the power, relinquish the rule of your life. Now, as we celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ, the birth of Jesus, the baby on Christmas Day, we also need to celebrate and look forward to his coming again. Let me just close with reading those verses again. And that now... Or, excuse me, and that knowing the time, understanding the present time we live in, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. What he said, he's saying there, it's almost over. Time is almost up. The day is at hand. The day is almost here. You can see the first rays of the light in the sky. And uh, he, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly or decently as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering, not with sexual immorality and wantonness and all kinds of debauchery, not any of that, <clears throat> not in strife and envy, dissension and jealousy, but put ye on and like a piece of clothing, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Uh, don't think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh, but think how to, to please him. Wake up, clean up, grow up. Father, I